Hi there, and welcome to the Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion, where our main aim is education through a conversation. Through our conversations, delve deep into all things related to the tradesperson contracting community, from news to education to industry happenings, helping you do better business while building a better and improved South African tradesmen and women contracting community. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the conversation. A very warm welcome to our audience members. My name is Willem Klopper. I'm your host. And in this episode, I'm having a conversation with members from IOPSA. And we will be discussing IOPSA's involvement in training within the plumbing sector. Now, with me in studio, I have my two anchors, Mr. Steve Brown from IOPSA, as well as Ms. Lorraine Moy, also from IOPSA. Then I have my two guests, Mr. Kwaku Mpepo, as well as Mr. Nick Jobair, both also from IOPSA. Just before we give our guests the opportunity to introduce themselves, let's hit the brakes. I'd like to remind our audience that this episode is proudly brought to you by Articulate Summer. Just before I fire away with all the other questions that I have, I would just like for our guests uh, to introduce themselves to the audience. Um, Kwaku, can we start with you? If you could just give your, uh, the audience a little bit of a background about yourself, who you are, what your history is within the industry, um, why you've decided to join the industry, and uh, what your current role is within the industry now. Thank you, Valam. Um, my full name is Kwaku Mbepo. Uh, I'm currently the training manager. I'm the training manager at uh, the Institute of Plumbing, South Africa. So I've been in the training industry for quite a while. Um, you know, we call it skills development. I've been in the skills development industry for quite a bit of time. So before I joined IOPSA, um, I was working for another association called the Master Builders Association, uh, which is a, it's an association just like IOPSA. The difference is that it's an association of um, you know, main contractors. Prior to that, I was working for a company called DHL, um, which is a career company. I'm sure you know about the company. I was also in the training, a training specialist there, um, you know, assisting with skills development, you know, advising the company, helping them with their workplace skills plans, dealing with the sitters, dealing with training providers, dealing with material development from various companies that were assisting us. And prior to that, I was at uh, Avbob in the same kind of role, but a bit more junior. And, uh, and, and before that, I had been working for a consulting company, which is a training company called King Coston Associates, um, which is where I started my proper you know, training you know, career. But my job, I started, my first job, I started as a teacher and then branched out to training. Um, so currently at IOPSA, I'm busy managing different projects, mainly the big ones are the apprenticeships, which I will talk about. Um, they, 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 one of the big projects that I'm dealing with, it's called the dual uh, system pilot project. I'll talk more a little bit later about it. Yeah. That's me. Thank you, Kwaku. Nick, would you mind to just introduce yourself very briefly to the audience, please? Good morning to the panel supporting this podcast recording. I'm Nick Jube. I'm a proud PRB registered master plumber. I have more than 40 years of plumbing experience with the majority of these years 
spent in the broad sense of training and development. So after my initial 10 years of hard contracting plumbing work, I had the opportunity to develop 100 youth trainees into the small building contractor field. And this is where the training and development field appealed to me more. And I have since then focused on that training and development as my main passion. I've joined IOPSA as the National Training Manager in 2013, which position I'm still having and looking after the training in the broad field within uh, IOPSA. Um, both of you mentioned training at IOPSA. Um, can I just ask, you, Kwaka, you mentioned one project specifically that you're busy with. You said it's the dual? Dual system pilot project dual system pilot project. I know that IOPSA is a membership uh, in, uh, organization and, and it's mostly companies that register or become members of IOPSA. So who do you give training to or who is the training that you mention that you speak of? Who is it aimed at? Okay. So the, the, the apprentices themselves um, are either drawn from from the forwarded to us by employers, ideally, that, that that's what we like. We, 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 don't, we don't really like receiving apprentices from the street and nobody knows about them. Ideally, we, we want the companies, we invite the companies and say, look, do you have any guys with potential that you'd like to put on the program? Um, and they send us the CVs and then obviously we take them through the process. But others come through the partner colleges. There are colleges that participate in the apprenticeship program across the country. So some come through the college. They would they would be they would be people they would be people that may have been a part of other programs, could be civil engineering or whatever, but then they identify plumbing as their passion. Um so so, so some 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 ju- are just you know random guys that you know just, that come through parents that know IOPSA, uh, but mainly uh, they come through those two different channels. Yeah. All right. So it's the individuals that you are looking at. Yeah. Do you present training to them from a theoretical perspective as well, or is it mainly focused at the practical side? What, what, from which angle? does IOPSA's training uh, step in? So the, the, the apprenticeship program itself, it's a three-year program, and um, it, it, it focuses on both theory and uh, on-the-job training. And so the on-the-job part is done by the host employer. We call them the host employer, the company that hosts the apprentice during the employer block, the on-the-job block. So, so they rotate between the company and then the theory is, hand, is handled by the college, the, the, the training college. So the training college, so college's responsibility is that of doing um, theory plus simulations. So they keep on rotating like that. They'll be with an employer for about a month and then you know, another month with the college. Um, they keep on you know, changing like that the whole three years until they complete. Yeah. Does that entail some kind of a placement that is organized from IOPSA's side? Yeah, definitely. IOPSA is the project manager or the lead employer 
in the in the in the, in the mix we are the ones that are responsible to actually make the call out to the industry and say hey i have some members we've got 10 learners in the ekorulene area would you like to mentor five you know would you like to mentor two and so we are responsible for that part to place them in different companies across you know across the country depending on where they live obviously if a guy lives in pretoria we look for an employer that has sites in pretoria and so on and so forth yeah so what other key projects are currently running uh, in the training division of iopsa okay so we've got the dspp which i just mentioned now and then we've got the cause project which is the centers of specialization so the centers of speci- specialization is a different project kind of similar but you know a bit different in, in the sense that they are focused you know uh, uh colleges across the country which are referred to as centers or you know sp- uh, specializing col- colleges in particular trades so you would have um it's not just plumbing there's plumbing there's millwrights there's uh, boilermakers and so it's a uh, 13th priority trades that were identified by the you know the the national department of higher education as you know major trades that the country needs to make sure that it's you know it focuses on so so it's uh centers of specialization that's the other project and uh we do um different other i'm sure nick will touch on other projects but the 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 the, the top the fl- if, if you like flagship uh, projects are those are those two yeah uh, you oh, oh sorry kwako you mentioned government uh, uh departments and and what which government departments are involved in this okay. which so the department of higher education and training is the is the funder through the national skills fund and you have um the quality council for trades and occupations or the qcto so though that's the body the regulatory body that looks after the certification that's where the um the occupational qualification plumber sits it sits with the qcto you've got the setters um in the case for example of uh, your of of cause um the cause project that i mentioned the are uh, the, the the funding comes through the setters and um the other um, stakeholder from the government side is the colleges so the college when i mentioned colleges none of the colleges that we work with are private colleges all of them are you know public uh, tivet colleges if a guy decides that he wants plumbing to follow plumbing as a career uh he firstly have to he has to find an institution that can give him the theoretical training like one of the uh, tvet colleges and um does he approach iopsa first does he approach the college first and if he's looking to apply for subsidy uh who, what route does he follow who how does that work everything starts with iopsa from the project management side so we are the ones that invite the learners to come and be part of the project we're the ones that initiate the whole process of selection working very closely with the colleges it's a fully funded program so none of the learners have to apply for funding the funding is ready it's all about us find finding the learner funding takes care of the stipend it takes care of the their ppe um takes care of the toolboxes it's also it also takes care of the medicals 
so 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 that there's no burden at all on the employer all they all we need from the employer is to host the learners mentor the learners and so that's one of the marketing tools that we use when we talk to employers and say look there's no financial burden on you all we want is you know mentor the guys and some employers do find the value We're looking at, at at the different projects that uh, you and Nick have touched on. Uh, can you give us some highs and lows of each of these projects? When an intake comes through, um, most of the time it's usually beginning of the year or towards the end of a previous year. So you find that there's enthusiasm there. We've got a lot of applicants and um, we shortlist and we take the guys that we want to take uh, who have gone through the selection and passed and so on. So during the first year, we experience, uh, especially towards the sixth month um, up until the, the end of the first year, you know, high dropout rates. They, although they would have thought that they want to be plumbers at some point they discover that no, I don't think I want to be a plumber. So they, 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 they drop outs. Uh, secondly, many learners uh, that join the program are people that have never really been exposed to the world of work. And, and, and you find issues of workplace readiness. They don't know how to talk to the boss. They, they, they don't know that, you know, but although we do the orientation, I mean, we prepare them but you find that somebody doesn't have a background. They may even be from uh, the, 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 the family background. You know, people did what they always liked to do. So we, we find ourselves being parents sometimes. It's very, very challenging. Leads to unnecessary, you know, unhappiness from employers that work so hard <laughs> to find so we can place them. And, and, and um, absenteeism and things of that nature. Some of them do lead to, to, to disciplinary hearings and people having to be dismissed. And so there's that whole HR you know, aspect to what we do. It's, 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 it's not too much of a burden. It's, it's just that many times, because there's many stakeholders, imagine we are an industry body. Our employers are our members. <laughs> their relationship, how our apprentices represent IOPSA when they are on the floor at that company is extremely important. There's a bearing on how we are seen. So, 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 because there's many stakeholders that need to be kept happy, there, there, there are challenges there, but we, 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 we do well to, to, to make sure that we, you know, we're equal to the task here. Yeah. Just in terms of that, Kokwe, uh, maybe for Nick to jump in and just add. I mean, if we're looking at this, you know, the, the, the fallout in terms of those that are attending through six months and we're talking through projects. Nick, in your experience, is this the same in terms of the formal sector? Or I'm not saying informal or formal sector, but for those apprentices that are going through other channels and through other colleges, is this a, the same type of thing Um Uh, within those aspects of those apprentices or learners? Uh, is it a common sort of um, problem that occurs with learners that get to a point in, in their sort of duration of time spent that they decide this is not for them? I think if you go to the previous uh, dispensation of apprentices, the selection criteria and the, the makeup or the attitude of the apprentice was more focused on plumbing 
it was more work ready in comparison to our learners that we have gone through a some form of selection process. And if you compare the two methodologies, you'll find that the traditional way, uh, the retention of, of apprentices is much higher than what we presently have, as Kwaku has mentioned, with these individuals. I mean, from uh, a real serious misdemeanors to individuals that just comes and say, thank you, I have had enough of this plumbing and, and then bomb out halfway through or three or four months down the road of the, the program. Because uh, the system that is used where apprentices is paid a stipend uh, with fairly rigid um, rules, you, you find that many of these students in the DSP and in the cost project is more of chasing stipends than what they are serious about becoming an artisan. So, Nick, sorry, then, you know, again, in terms of that, um, you know, how are these students replaced or are they replaced? So if you start off with 30 and, you know, six of them go six months in, you know, do they get replaced or or does it just, you know, stop to that or, or what is that process? Do they then have others that are brought in and, and what could be changed? You know, I understand you're saying about the stipend, you know, and Kwaku also from your side of things, I mean, obviously unemployment in the country is fairly high and and obviously try and get these people in is there anything that we're doing to try and narrow that um when i was at school for the two days that i went uh, we had a vocational guidance teacher that would go through these principles in terms of should you be an architect lawyer plumber whatever but you know are those things i know you've gone through those specifics but is that something that's happening or is going to be looked at sort of further down the line you know in terms of the projects because of our present rules, uh, you can replace an individual within the first month of the project. If the project start date has proceeded beyond the first month or one month, then there's no replacement, so then the number just decreases. If you look at the DSP that kicked off two years prior to the Centers of Specialization program, which is an evolvement of the DSP project, your dropout on the cost project is much less than what it is on the DSP project as presently, which indicates that the, the methodology used to select with guidance, with a more stringent aptitude tests, is the way to go. And, and you will find that if you compare the two projects, the, the employers are supposed to be in the driver's seats, but there's a whole lot of contractual arrangements that inhibits that take up by the, the host employers. But for going forward, one needs to, to ensure that uh, that guidance that you refer to is done in a little bit more detail together with aptitude tests to ensure that the individuals will uh, find their way within the plumbing industry. Um, I just wanted to just query in terms of um, with the, the, the drop-ups and all that, is it because of plumbing as an, in itself as a vocation or is it because of the employer? Is it in terms of what is it exactly? What is the, the main thing that the guys have said why they're dropping out of the, the programs? And then the second part of that question, is it is it more guys that are dropping out or is it girls? Because I know your, I mean, your programs, you know, you have both an intake of females and males. So are you retaining which gender you're retaining more? I think the drop-off is primarily coming from the participant. Uh, the employers 
have got a job to do and they have to have an output. Uh, the, the misconception or perception of the apprentice that this is a nice job and it will work is the, the, it, the disillusion sometimes is the main cause. There is no clear indication in terms of males and, and females that uh, the drop-off is higher with, with one or the other one. Uh, it is pretty across the board, much the same between the two between males and females. Now, just to add one, uh, one of the drivers to the dropout, uh, the, the dropout rate, you know, uh, Nick mentioned the, the issue of stipends. I'll just give a, a, an example, just to show you that sometimes some of the applicants, they just apply because they want a stipend. And the stipend is seen as some, some sort of a salary, you know, by, by some of them. As a matter of fact, they are, we get calls from clothing shops, <laughs> you know, that need details of our employees who have accounts and we need to prove that they, <laughs> they are apprentices. So they, some of them even, sub, you know, uh, uh, support their families with the stipend. So the stipend is seen as a, the uh, apprenticeship is, is a job, <laughs> you know, as uh, a salary. And then the other driver is, with the selection process, if if the selection is has some loopholes, you're likely the quality of the apprentice is going to be affected. So, for example, some of them, um, the learners who have left, they were doing a different program before they became became apprentices. Apprentices. Somebody was doing, for example, civil engineering. I mean, if you're doing your second year in civil engineering, and then you you start applying for to become an apprentice as a plumber, uh, something is not quite right there. So we have found that people were doing something that they thought was much cooler or better, and then they try plumbing and they discover plumbing is not is not fun at all. Nothing sexy about it. So let me rather go back to something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When uh, individuals are selected or candidates are selected, do they also sign some? A form of contract with IOPSA and is it stipulated anywhere in that contract that they do sign that uh, the this stipend is sort of refundable if they should drop out of the project at, at a certain uh, period of time if it's early on or, or whatever the case may be and if it's found that perhaps they may have abused this the system or the opportunity um, just purely for the sake of the stipend. As much as there are contracts, um, there's a contract uh, between the learner and the sitter and the, you know, an IOPSA as the lead employer. There's also another contract, which is an employer, an employment contract between IOPSA and the apprentice. Yeah, as much as there are those contracts, unfortunately, you there's no clause that you know, ties the, that forces the apprentice to stay on the program and there are no repercussions such as the ones that you just mentioned. Nobody will be, you know, told that they need to pay back uh, the money that they wasted, uh, which leaves, you know, us with only one option. We just have to work harder. Not just us, us as the lead employer, but also uh, the employers have to help us 
you know, by giving us names of people that they know. I mean, uh, I, I find that an, an, an apprentice that has been sent to us by an employer who has worked with them for about a year, not knowing about an apprentice pro- apprenticeship program, and then later knows about it, and then they send the guy to us, those guys stay on. Why? Because there was a determination much earlier that this is a definite plumber. They've watched him. All they needed is an opportunity, and then we jump in. That always works. He's already had the, the, the opportunity to turn around and drop out of the industry, the plumbing sector, as a career, because he's already uh, worked for a plumbing company for, for a period of time. So he had, that, he had ample time to decide if it's for him or not. And just before we continue the conversation, it's time to hit the brakes again. Don't forget to download the all-new and improved App Plumber from the Google Play Store. All your plumbing solutions are just a click away, exclusively for Android users. Welcome back. Now, to continue our discussion, I would like to ask the following question. Are there any incentives for companies that do take apprentices? From an incentive for, for the host employers, if, if one looks at uh, various components, they achieve or they obtain labor at a relatively low cost. They uh, can increase their productivity by having additional labor in this apprentice as it is. In this process of an apprentice being mentored on the job, they find that there is upskilling of their staff, the supervisors, etc., that, that takes place. They contribute towards the sustainability of our uh, industry. And at the end, they also uh, add to their bottom line. However, I think one of the more important components, we spoke about the, the recruitment and how do you go through a stringent recruitment and selection process. Now, presently, that this is a sort of a one-day operation. And it's sometimes very difficult to make a, a very good informed decision on the profile of an individual. So therefore, for, for a host employer, by accommodating an apprentice, you have months, maybe you have two years, maybe you have three years of an opportunity to in actual fact screen a apprentice. And then at the end, after the apprentice contract is completed, then offer the individual a permanent position. And we do find, we in our, our final year of, of the DSP project, that there's at least four learners stroke apprentices that is in line through the host employers that says, I want that apprentice and I want to offer him a permanent position. So on that basis, it also helps you have, they fit into the culture of uh, the, the organization. So the employer, the host employer's benefit is that in this process of apprenticeship, the individual is is not only screened, but it's also formed to fit into the culture of that specific organization. Just to, just to ask a question regarding that, Nick. So if an uh, apprentice is uh, tied to this company for however long, uh, um, is it that you tie to that person or that apprentice forever, or is it you move the apprentices around? Now, we do have to move them around because there's a curriculum that specifies the training components, and if a host employer 
cannot accommodate on-the-job training for all of those specified components. As I OPSA, as the project manager or as the lead employer, we have to uh, move them around to ensure that they do get the exposure in all the components as prescribed by the curriculum for, for that spring, but it's done in terms of a, a rollout plan that is planned and consulted with the learner, the, the host employer, and the training provider. Nick, you've now touched on different components in a curriculum of the training that needs to be given to individuals. Surely there must be some complication with finding placement. I mean, what if a candidate has had training to a specific level uh, in theory? And now he has to continue with the practical side of from where he's left off at the, at the college. Surely there must be some complication to find a placement for him within a company that has that aspect, uh, that, that can offer him that specific aspect of physical training um, to match the two up, the, 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 the actual physical training with the theory that he's, the level where he's reached with his theory, to match the two with each other. Do you experience complications with that, uh, Kwaku? Okay, yeah, it, it, it happens. And so with the, with, the, with the rotation of the learners from one, from, from the college to the employer. One other very important thing is, 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 is the fact that this is, the, the, the approach is, is integration of theory and practice. And so the, the college doesn't work in isolation from the employer. So there, there is, you know, communication between the parties all the time. So in a company, there will be somebody called a mentor. Um, at the college, there is the facilitator. So the two from time to time, you know, according to the structure of the program, are supposed to be talking to each other regarding the progress of the learner. So, so, so that takes care of your question. So in other words, the company has to know uh, what theory has been covered at the college and what is expected of him if there are any complications between the mentor and the, and the facilitator. You know, uh, there has to be communication as to what needs to be done to up the level of the, of the learner. Yeah. I, I mean, a company uh, can, a, a plumbing company can specialize more in, let's say, for instance, uh, solar installations. Where and they they more than willing to take on apprentices, but now the apprentices that are available are more. Uh, their theoretical training may may have involved piping part in, in in bathrooms rather than your than your solar installation on a on a roof. Does that offer some difficulty in in placing the two then? Because I mean the company is willing to take on apprentices, but they, they would like somebody who's got maybe theoretical understanding of the of the line of plumbing that they specialize in, like for instance the solar installation. Willem, you're correct that the biggest challenge is that sequencing and to have a match between theoretical training that has taken place in a period followed by then a similar type of practical exposure or on-the-job experience that you have. It does create a major challenge within the present system that we have. But the training methodology has also evolved a little bit and we are presently from my opposite side, capacitating the facilitators at these training centers 
to to overcome that type of challenge to move to what is called project-based training, where the, the theoretical component is taken and integrated to a more of a, a real-life situation in the training component. So if you talk like with you, you had your solar, is you would create a sort of a scenario. Yeah, is the client, and the client wants to have a solar and now please come and advise. And then you go through the training from how big must the solar be, depending on the number of people, what type of pipe am I going to use, what type of system am I going to use, and you draw the theoretical component into a practical solution, and the facilitator will then adjudicate as they go along. And that sort of eliminates this challenge that you've referred to. But again, it's a process to, to to, to, to adapt the training methodology to, to be successful within the specified curriculum. Speaking of the, of the apprentices and, and, and the, let's, you can call them students uh, that, that have been to the colleges, um, do you have an indication of numbers, the, the, the numbers of the, or the quantity of students that come out of the colleges and that are ready to to be accepted as a pre, uh, apprentices with companies. Pre- previously, the the there wasn't a, a determination. Any individual or learner or apprentice could go to any training provider and enroll for a plumbing course. In this instance, presently with a new occupational qualification. No training provider, whether it's a public TVET college or a private provider, is permitted to register a student or an apprentice unless there is a accompanied uh, uh, employer. In other words, employment possibility does exist. Now, when you have then the training provider, the learner stroke apprentice and the employer together, then the process can carry on. Now, in terms of, of numbers, you you will see that the OPSA plan that uh, we want to reach about 500 of these apprentices per year. And we're probably about halfway between the, the two programs where our present um, centers of specialization has got 48 of these and the DSP is 127 and then we have some other smaller projects that makes up close to our 250 per year that we presently have in the system but we need to increase that to let's call it meet the demand that we need to ensure that the employers demands the actual training otherwise you won't find that kickoff approval to have suitable employers and and i take it then nick that uh, iopsa is currently or, or or constantly if i can put it that way uh looking for for lead employers for for employers who are willing to accept apprentices very much so we promote that continuously and there is uh, there's an improvement in the numbers from where we've started two years ago with willing participants from an employer side that willingness have increased more and more do you think that that is uh do you Kwaku, is, is that due to the fact that uh those employing companies or employer companies have they started to realize the value in this apprenticeship program yes certainly 
the the awareness has grown over the you know the the past uh, two years and secondly the benefit is becoming more and more you know publicized you know people are starting to talk about it so 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 it's it's more it's easier now for example last year in the beginning of the year when i compare that time with you know where i am now it's easier for me to get an employer when i'm struggling to place an you know a learner than it was at that time so it's a function of uh, you know awareness uh, obviously we run campaigns from time to time you know sending out you know communication to our members and saying guys we've got you know apprentices to mentor so that repeated message is is, is definitely you know increasing the awareness yeah so nick yeah sorry vilam uh, so nick you know if i got have a look at it and based on our experiences we've had um we've seen a lot of employers take youngsters on you know and they'll be there for 3 4 5 years and at the end of it you know just be told right go and do your section 28 or whatever sort of uh, you're going to be doing so from what you and quaco are explaining in terms of this process are we getting a much better developed individual coming out of this because it's structured and and it's actually uh, facilitates everything from start to finish am i correct in saying that so there's definitely an added value for the for the employers to be a part of this program to be able to start and finish yes steve the, the curriculum has been updated me be, being a little bit more comprehensive the training methodology has evolved to a more improved component and the the actual trait test you've mentioned the section 28 which was five tasks known to be in the test and everybody trained towards passing those five tasks that are specified the new trait test that will kick in uh, in january of 2021 for these learners that is in this new occupational qualification for the last two or three years there is uh, similar tasks but there is a whole lot of new permutations of how do you install a toilet on the ground floor on the second floor and maybe on a on a high rise building installing the toilet is the same but the actual connection with the the outlet pipes becomes a, a issue and that becomes a knowledge that needs to be part of the training so you are correct the quality of the apprentice post this new trade test will be of a higher caliber than the previous system that we have used and i think uh, nick i mean uh, you're 100% there and i think it's going to give us a more rounded sort of um uh, apprentice coming out with that theoretical knowledge and obviously the the alternatives in terms of how installations get done but i think in terms of iopsa you know and and with the two of you being you know part of this i mean this is leaps and bounds you know in terms of where we were many years ago nick you know from where we had nobody that would you know talk to us that now from an iopsa perspective we write it to coalface in terms of 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 training and how would you put that down to what would you put that to that you know all of a sudden now we're involved in all of these training initiatives and and other projects that you have um what is that based on i think the involvement of iopsa has improved or no, let's say changed from where we've been 10 or 15 years ago to where we are presently because as a body we have advocated improvement and upliftment of skills within 
the plumbing industry. Government has recognized it. Government is now approaching IOPSA for guidance in terms of the training. And because of the upliftment, the quality has improved in leaps and bounds. Similar to if you if you compare what's happening presently in the plumbing fraternity, similar to what happened in, in your computer world from where we had a computer doing this, and today you have a computer in your pocket, which was similar to, I don't know how big the computer was when we sent the first man to the moon. That evolvement has also taken place within the IOPSA training system. And I am very proud in terms of saying that if we look at, Kwaku mentioned that in the centers of specialization, there's 13 trades. The plumbing trade is far, far ahead of any other of those 13 trades. And if you use, yeah, all of them are on an occupational qualification level, but IOPSA stroke the plumber is the only trade that has a professional body operational to add to this quality of an artisan post training, but it also influences the training that takes place in the initial phase. Just before we continue the conversation, it's time to hit the brakes again. Plumber training has never been easier with articulated plumber courses. Enroll now to upskill yourself at your own pace and earn CPD points. Our informative and easy to follow courses can be found on iopsatraining.co.za. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Articulated Plumber. Kwaku, just getting back to the fact that the, the awareness have grown and the awareness of the benefits of your programs has grown and increased, is it now in this day and age harder to place female apprentices than male apprentices? Okay, the 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 reality of them is that the it's it's challenging with some companies to place female apprentices. You know, the you know the industry hasn't grown. You know, it's a bit behind with 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 how it views women. We from time to time, you know, hit that wall where we have, you know, females a number of females that are sitting without an employer, uh, month after month, and then we get uh, a placement for one female, and then they don't want to take the remaining ones and so on so there is an there's an issue there um one of the reasons that they are mentioned from the industry are that you know uh, on site there are no facilities that, that specifically cater for the for the different sexes and then secondly the the workers on site are not yet um i would say advanced or developed or prepared in terms of the how to manage the relations between you know men and women at work so the the construction industry is still still very male dominated and so that impacts on 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 the uptake of uh, of of ladies yeah Although, although you find yourself in, in, in some form of, of uh, challenges that you face in that regard, but uh, is it improving? Okay, I'd say what I've experienced is it seems to me, it appears, I'm not sure about Nick's, uh, you know, what, what he's been exposed to. It looks to me as though pr- 
prov- from province to province, <laughs> the provinces don't seem to be behaving the same. I find that here in Gauteng, for example, I don't. That problem is almost non-existent over here. All my ladies here are placed, and I didn't even have to go through any major hardship. But then in a province like PE, it's constant issues there of women not being placed. So, so it, it looks like it's a provincial thing as well. Um, it, it's not necessarily a, 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 that much of a scientific statement. But what I'm mentioning here, I accept what I've experienced. And also you have to consider the fact that PE, we've got a smaller pool of plumbing companies. And so there are. Just a question. So what happens to these ladies that you are unable to place? Now eventually they get placed, right? It's people that just started this year because they, they, they started at the college. It's now company block. So they, they eventually get placed. It's just that it takes longer for them to be taken, especially if it's, 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 it's a high number. <laughs> you know, for example, it's five ladies that I've got in my hands and I've got to place them now, now, now. Uh, so it's, it's definitely going to take time. But then. And in terms of performance, you know, because... You know, I'm a girl and I'm a plumber, <laughs> so it's like to just like put it out there. Um, so, in terms of performance, though, what are what are how are the women faring against the guys? I mean, I know for a fact that we do very well, but I just want confirmation. I can confirm. I can confirm that, ladies. Uh, you know, with the with the compliments that we got from the from the employers, uh, it's interesting that we. We were told that there are ladies that did that do very very well. They are more um, they are more dis- disciplined. They are more structured in the way they approach work and and so on and forth and so forth. All these qualities of a of a female, they sort of kind of put them at an advantage compared to males. So 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 that there's no it's it's just fears that employers have the industry not being ready for them but it's nothing there's nothing from the ladies side that suggests that they are a sort of a threat in the industry thank you for yeah. thank you for clearing that up i appreciate it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah Lorraine had to have that say there uh, but i think also you know i think experience shows and i think that you know again i think it's just something that we need to work on in terms of of getting that that mindset change and i think uh, iops can play a huge role in that um, you know, as we've seen, you know, many ladies in the industry have certainly made a, a huge impact in terms of, of of how they, you know, we've had some ladies that are auditing. We've, you know, Nick and I dealt with some ladies with Skills for Green projects years ago. And, and certainly the commitment was there uh, in terms of that. So I think Kwaku and, and Nick, it's just something that we need to just change that mindset and, and look at the value that, you know, these ladies bring to the to the table. And I think it's, it's again, just for us to, to work on that. And, and see people as, you know, as they are, that they're going to add that benefit and maybe some better than others. But, you know, it's just to try and open that mindset and, and clear it. It is a mindset change that needs to take place within the industry. But I think more so from, from a community point of view moving up. And you're quite correct in terms of uh, positive feedbacks that we have. You would find that there's more positive feedbacks on females than what there's positive feedbacks on males, although the numbers could be then uh, the opposite. And if we go way back to our skills for green jobs 
four years ago, uh, there was out of the 27, uh, five ladies, of which one lady, it took us five years, but she is presently a qualified artisan plumber. So it, it just shows, and there was no male in that same category. Their perseverance and things are, are commendable. Thank you. Either Kwaku or Nick, um, what exactly are the requirements for for uh, students um, to to join this these programs of yours? So the 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 minimum requirement is uh, grade nine with maths and English. So so that is the that is their requirement. Just in terms of the maths, are we talking about pure maths or are we talking about maths lit? Uh, Nick, I think it's uh, e- even maths literacy. Am I correct? Maths lit is the minimum. You will find that with the new occupational qualification, there's an overriding requirement, which is called a foundation learning competency that the candidate must display prior to be admitting to the final trade test, which is on par with our present uh, matric certificate with around about the 50% pass, including maths literacy. So if they if they go to the the grade nine as Kwaku have, have stated, uh, they might be required to upskill their general education level to meet that foundation learning competency, which is basically language and numeracy skills that they have. Just before we say goodbye, it's time to hit the brakes one last time. We'd like to encourage our audience to follow Articulated Plumber on Instagram and Facebook, not only to find out more about the Man in the Van podcast, but also to learn more about any exciting and interesting news that we may have. Our handle on both Instagram and Facebook is Articulated Plumber. Nick, um, have you got any last uh, statements that you would like to make uh, to the audience out there? My closing statement would just be, ladies and gentlemen, it is cool to be an artisan, and I look forward to those that wants to join a very rewarding career in plumbing. Walker, yourself, any last words for the audience members out there? Yeah, I'd say the, the country with the projects that we mentioned, it's quite clear that the, strategically the direction um, now is for people to uh, more, we need more youth to aspire to be artisans than people trying to wear ties. Um, somebody mentioned, I think it's Nick who mentioned the fact that it's rewarding. A lot of people driving, driving vans around, uh, millionaires. <laughs> it's just that they don't, they don't, they, they don't, they don't look like uh, pop artists. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing funky about them, but their bank accounts are really cool. <laughs> so, so, so there's never been a uh, more exciting time for artisans than now. Yeah, so we, we, we look forward to having them on board. Kwaku um, and Nick, thank you so much for your time and your effort in joining us in this conversation. Uh, thank you to my two anchors, Miss Lorraine Moy and Mr. Stephen uh, Brown. I do appreciate your time and effort as well. Thank you to our audience members for having listened and tuned into this conversation and this specific episode. We do hope that you've learned valuable information from this episode. Finally, it's time to switch off this engine. Cheerio. Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion. 